Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. I'm Dr. Bill Kanaski. With me is my colleague, Dr. Elisa Parker. Hi, Elisa. Hi, Bill. You, uh, well, the one, the first criticism I have for you is you really dressed up way too nice for this podcast. <laughs> I went I'm, with, wearing, I went with, I'm actually wearing yoga pants underneath this top. Okay. Well, <laughs> at least, at least you're honest. And you're probably not the only one with all these video depositions just wearing the, uh, from the waist up uh, formally. I just decided to blow it off since I'm sitting on my, my back porch here in Florida. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You know, the reason why I wanted to bring you on, you know, you've been with Courtroom Sciences for four years now, and you've had the um, <laughs> unique experience of being thrown into the deep end, particularly in some of the trucking litigation that I have assigned to you. And I'd like to talk a lot about that because as you know with the whole COVID-19 pandemic you're hearing a lot of positivity about the trucking industry right now which I can never remember in my life hearing more positivity than than I'm hearing now we'll talk about that in a sec but where I want to start off with you is you know being being a a trial litigation consultant and early on in your career being pushed into these really challenging and tough trucking cases what, what are some of the main challenges you see as you've been involved with these cases i'm sure that one of them if not the top one of them has to be the difficulty in preparing truck drivers for testimony yeah that's actually exactly what i was going to say um first and foremost with the use of plaintiff reptile tactics mm -hmm. um truck drivers are notorious for falling for these tactics um, second, one thing that's not thought of very often is that a lot of these truck drivers are very resistant to the process itself. No one talks about that. No one wants to talk about that. Everybody assumes, well, there are truck drivers, so they're going to trust the legal team. Here's the best one. They're actually going to be honest with us. Oh boy. Not always yeah. the case, right? Well, there's a lot of distrust for the attorneys and the process in general. And then a huge factor is that oftentimes companies are stuck between a rock and a hard place where they feel obligated to get rid or dismiss the truck driver for whatever reason following the accident in question. Yep. So a lot of these truck drivers no longer work for the company and feel like their lives have been worsened consequently as well. Um, so that's a huge issue. Listen, I, this is my 16th year of doing this. I have prepped thousands of witnesses at this point, both for deposition and trial. And I don't care what industry it is. If you have a former employee, either they were terminated and they, they have an ax to grind, they have a chip on their shoulder, or, or they just left, they quit because they weren't satisfied with their work. I, I have found those to be the most difficult witnesses to work with again, across industries because the level of emotion involved, right? Yes. It's, it's like going to hang out with your ex-boyfriend and it's like, well, no, this is, <laughs> this is maybe not a good idea, but because litigation forces that, tell us a little bit about some of the experiences you've had with those types of drivers and maybe some of the negative emotion that can be involved that can really impede uh, effective testimony. Right. Um, I, I see this quite frequently. Uh, but one particular case that that stands out to me was um, with a, a truck driver who was not at fault for the accident, uh, but there was still a lawsuit and he had been terminated for other reasons. And um, he had not shown up to multiple meetings with the attorneys. 
finally did show up for a witness training that we had scheduled and almost immediately looked directly to me and said, I don't understand what the point of this is. No one's going to believe me anyways. And ended up having a very long discussion about kind of his distrust of the company, his distrust with the attorneys involved. Um, what was the point of this? What had become of his life? And he was extremely depressed. And so we spent a lot of time processing this. And then ultimately he did great in his deposition. But I imagine that took a lot of effort on your part to get the temperature down. What I see sometimes is defense counsel brings them in and starts throwing policies and procedures, employee handbooks, documents, videotapes of the accident. It's like, now wait a second. There, if you don't get through uh, that emotional barrier, because I've seen a lot of truck drivers just not be honest because they're, they're, they're angry. Can you talk about a little bit about your professional experience and your understanding of emotion and how emotional witnesses can really derail a case if you don't address it appropriately? Right. And um, I think that we've seen a couple of different specific emotional types, um, especially within trucking witnesses specifically. That includes you have your witness who is very readily and willing to agree to any premise the plaintiff attorney puts forth. Um, and that's usually caused by one of two things. One is, you especially see this with truck drivers, they feel guilty. Yeah. Um, it was a tragic outcome and whether or not they're at fault for that outcome, it, it's a really hard pill to digest, especially if someone did die in an accident. Um, and then the other type is that the, they feel um, insignificant or incompetent in some way because they're in a room full of very high powered business people um, and they're intimidated by the process. So they'll agree to anything the plaintiff attorney says because they just want to get out of there. Um, they're what we call a flight witness. Now you've also worked on uh, several mock trials and, and, and focus groups. So tell, tell our audience pre-pandemic, so pre-COVID-19, and I think I know the answer to this, I kind of do, but I'm just kind of tossing the out softballs, <laughs> is what was the general feelings towards trucking companies and the industry from jurors across, across venues in the United States? Listen, I work in a lot of different industries for civil litigation, and um, there are a handful of industries that I think actually start off at the lower peg to begin with. And the trucking industry, unfortunately, is one of those because almost everyone has had some experience with a semi or a truck on the road that's not been positive. And it's easy to bring that into the case with you. Um, and then there are certain areas, um, for example, I'm located in Texas and West Texas is a known area where the general temperature there is very negative towards the trucking industry. Um, and so it just doesn't work favorably. And when you have a witness who makes either some admissions or comes off looking cold or defensive, it just plays into those preconceived notions the jurors already have of the industry. So now we've had two months of COVID-19 in which you're seeing a lot of very positive public uh, public relations messages about the trucking industry. They're calling truck drivers heroes for the first time ever. They're kind of putting them on the pe same pedestals, the physicians, the first responders, the nurses. Um, 
everybody is asking me this question. I'm sure you've been worn out by clients as well. And I think it's a really complicated answer. But does that type of positive PR carry over into the deliberation room? And my answer to this is it really depends on probably where you're at in this country. Because I got to tell you, you try a case in Philadelphia, I don't care. Memphis, right. There are these judicial hell holes we have, which, you know, Jesus could testify as your corporate rep. It, it's not going to matter. What are some of your, and I don't want to use the word prediction, but just kind of thoughts on, is that going to carry over? And maybe what the industry can do to try to get it to carry over. So um, I think the it depends answer is by far the best with that being said, uh, I also have talked to a lot of people in the transportation industry and they're feeling very positive about the ramifications and implications of what's been going on. Unfortunately, there has been the start of research, um, generally speaking, to see what juror attitude might actually be like. And preconceived notions about various corporations and industries are unfortunately very entrenched. Yes. So even if there is kind of a positive peak that's going on right now, the question is, is it going to be short-lived? Are they going to go back to their originally entrenched beliefs? Um, we have found um, in some research that the vast majority of people surveyed have not changed their views on corporations. And for those that have, there's actually been a little bit of a dip towards the negative. Um, so we're not seeing exactly what the prediction um, and the hopefulness that things would improve um, actually bear out. The other issue that has become important is that people want, yes, people have been excited and they've been proud of the truck drivers and see them as heroes because they've been working this whole time and they're the ones that have been delivered, delivering goods to us. But um, the companies, how the companies themselves have responded to COVID-19 is what's going to make a huge difference as well. It's not just the lip service, it's have they actually taken actions and done things to either help the community or help their employees. I think that's gonna make all the difference in how the juror perceives the company itself. And yeah, there's a lot of data to collect and a lot of, a lot of research out there. Um, now, unfortunately, <laughs> again, you've been thrown into some pretty tough situations in the trucking and transportation industry. Could you tell the audience the difference, really in your ability to do your job as a litigation psychologist, when you get called early on in a case, typically, maybe sometimes even before discovery started, to get involved before depositions, to help prep witnesses, corporate reps, safety directors, versus getting a call two months before trial, discovery's closed, and descri describe the ability and, and what that does to you as a litigation psychologist in those two very, very different situations. You know, it's the difference between being preventative and being reactive. Um, so when um, I get called in early on, there's a chance to, number one, address a, a lot of the pre-existing emotion in whatever witness, whether it's the safety director or the corporate representative or your truck driver. Um, I can address the emotion. I can address all the reptile tactics that will be used successfully against them if they're not properly prepared. And just generally, a lot of tactics that get used to get these types of witnesses to make mistakes and depositions. And you would be amazed the difference um, before and after that work. And sometimes it takes several sessions to get to that point. Getting a call after a deposition or right before trial is trying to unring a bell. 
Um, And while there's definitely work that can still be done and a lot of improvements that can be made, you are stuck with damaging testimony that's already been made. Um, And so now it's how to work that into their trial testimony in a way that's still going to be effective and work for your side. Um, But again, a lot of admissions have already been made in many of these cases that um, it's hard to to walk away from. So is it fair to say that early aggressive intervention is the best way to go in these types of cases as opposed to waiting? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think it can make a huge difference in your company's exposure um, and media coverage and in the amount of money that's involved. Yeah, my experience has been sometimes because of the different layers of insurance, until you get to a certain layer, the the layers below don't care because they know they're paying out anyway. So sometimes it's just the actual, it's just the nature of the beast. By the time maybe an excess care gets involved and the demand's $25 million, okay, well now we're going to start to get ready. And oftentimes that's too late. And the economic consequences of that is, well, pick up your newspaper or go online and you'll see how many nuclear verdicts have hit the trucking companies disproportionately to other, other types of companies. So uh, last question, and I'm going to switch gears on you here, but the same issues regarding healthcare, because I know you do a ton of work in healthcare, working with physicians and nurses, they're getting another, you know, and they've always, they've always had it, but now it's even more, probably I'd say much more than the trucking companies, the positive PR right now, it's almost on an hourly basis. Maybe yeah. trucking's on a daily, I mean, there's a feel good story on any of the three major news networks about a healthcare professional or a hospital and these stories are on an hourly basis. Does the same phenomenon, same question, Lisa, does that carry over into the courtroom in some of these maybe medical malpractice cases that you're going to see once you start to see people filing lawsuits again and, and, and getting into the courtroom? You know, you're asking a tough question, Bill. I, I don't know the answer for sure. What I can say is unlike the trucking industry, there's generally speaking a more positive attitude towards physicians and and nurses in the first place. Um, And so I do think there is going to be a bit of a carryover. With that being said, um, we're entering such a novel, novel situation in our lives right now um, that it's really hard to say what potentially the outcome of that's going to be. Time is going to tell. Time is going to tell, but I know that, um, particularly in healthcare and trucking litigation, we may have hit the pause button, but it's certainly not going to slow down once things get back to the new normal. Well, uh, Dr. Lisa Parker, thank you so much for being on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We'll have you back soon. Bye.